Thank you, Laura. Friends, let us pray. Gracious God, we ask your blessing on this time of considering your word for us this day. I pray that you would silence in us any voice but your own. Help us to learn and to grow. In your son's name we pray. Amen. 20th century theologian Karl Barth once compared explaining God to painting a bird in flight. Painting a bird in flight. I like that analogy. He, he also wrote several volumes expanding on this using various attributes, characteristics of God, words to describe God including an attempt that he, he goes through at length of using pairs of complementary adjectives to try and describe God. But even in all of his beautiful expositions of God, what he reveals most of all is that there's much mystery in God. I've mentioned before that the long history of theologians arguing about God and how to describe God is one of the great things that points to God's importance and even God's strength. If God can't be explained so easily, it must be reflecting in and of itself God's greatness. Karl Barth says that God is free to be who God is. And I see the beauty in this. As I see it, the beauty is that God's freedom to be who God is, is also an invitation to you and to me to explore God's identity more deeply, for us to seek out the ways that God is revealed, to find the glimpses of God's revelation. Revelation, at its most basic core, can be understood as the encapsulating word for the mysterious interplay between God and God's creation. God's revelation in the form of Jesus Christ is the ultimate example of this delicate dance. In Jesus, God is revealed to humanity, and this is why we not only look to Jesus to understand how to live, we look to Jesus as the revelation of God, of God being on display and interacting with human beings, with creation. And we not only looked to, look to the revelation of God in Jesus as an observer, we seek to understand God, to be stirred by God's revelation, to be stirred and called to respond to God's revelation. In order to do so, we must also continually experience God's revelation in our lives. This revealing is not limited to a singular moment or occurrence, but it's instead this ongoing movement of God's interruptions into the lives of humankind. In the 1940s, theologian Richard Niebuhr wrote about the concept of God being revealed to humanity. One of the things he emphasizes is a concept that confused me at first. Essentially, he says that each experience of revelation builds on the former, and it also amplifies our prior experiences. In other words, there's an ongoing revelation of God to us over the course of our lives and experiences. 
Niebuhr uses the image of a mountain to illustrate this ongoing nature. He writes that we climb the mountain of revelation so that we may gain a view of the shadowed valley in which we dwell. And from that valley, we look up again to the mountain. The ever-changing angles from which we gaze upon the mountain, they create new experiences each time we decide to ascend. Our experiences of life and God's revelation constitute a repeated cycle of experiences. This repetition of the journey up the mountain, a journey that somehow brings new experiences each time, correlates to our own individual lives, but also to our existence as part of a humankind that has also experienced the same climbing of the mountains that we are climbing. There's some truth or some comfort I want to offer in this truth that in our experiences, our experiences of suffering, joy, beauty, or any of the other God-given conditions of humankind, in all of these experiences, we are not alone. However, because the experiences are ever-changing, even within their revelation or their relationship to the past, revelation necessarily is always relevant as we continually seek to experience God. Because God is continually revealing God's self to humankind, Niebuhr writes that there is no time or place in human history. There is no moment in the church's past, nor is there any set of doctrines, any philosophy or theology of which we might say, here, here, the knowledge through revelation and the knowledge of revelation is fully set forth. Okay, what's that mean? This means that for you and for me, God's revelation, God's revealing of God's self continues in our lives, in our experiences, in our relationships and our joys and our struggles and our losses and our victories. God's revelation continues in our laughter and in our tears, in our sunsets, in our snowstorms, in our baking of bread and our making the bed. This ongoing revelation of God means that we continue to be a part of the story that God is weaving through all times and places. Each person, each one of us, if we are to be journeying toward God, we must be seeking the glimpses of this revelation. What this also means is that like the psalmist, the psalmist who is declaring God's goodness through time, we look back at the revelations of God, the ways that we have heard and understood God in our lives, but also in the lives of others. We look back and we use these revelations. We celebrate these revelations as reminders and as a critical part of our understanding of God. In a few moments, our church officers are going to answer several questions as they are ordained and installed. And several of the questions refer to our confessions, confessions of our church and to scripture. Both scripture and the confessions are precisely tools for us to be both looking back at how God has been revealed to others, while also looking forward and asking the question of how God is continuing to be revealed today. There's this dance, you see, a dance between the past and our connection to the past, 
and our present and future, the, the dance of which you and me are a part as we seek to understand God more fully and more deeply. I've shared before that St. Augustine describes this as the Christian life, faith, seeking, understanding. The journey through life of trying to understand God and this journey of then responding to God's revelation in our lives, asking ourselves, what are my experiences and the experiences of those around me revealing about God? And what do they say about me? Augustine writes that if we look to our inner space, our inner space, that, that part within us, including our past and our experiences, and especially our very personal places of our emotions, our fears, our vulnerable spaces, it is there that we can look for and find God. We look both to our past, examining our personal history, looking for those moments where we may have missed the revelation of God at first pass, and then we walk forward on the path ahead with the recognition that the path ahead will be shaped by the path we have already taken. And then the revelation on the path ahead will continue to illumine the path behind. The interconnectedness of the past and God's ongoing revelation cannot be separated. In Psalm 111, this is exactly what's going on. The psalmist is pointing to the past, praising God for the ways that God was revealed through God's deliverance from famine and from captivity. It's a recap of the time of Moses when the people of God were in peril when the times were difficult. The psalmist is drawing the people back to that difficult time and to their difficult memories. As Kathy said in the introduction to the text, by starting with hallelujah, praise the Lord. The psalmist is reminding the people that God has been revealed throughout their history, even and perhaps especially during their times of wandering and feeling helpless and lost. And the psalmist is doing this to show who it is that they worship and who it is that they follow. Looking back, they see God being revealed and they praise God. There is mystery in Revelation that is not easily explained other than to accept that God's handiwork in our lives goes beyond what we can easily understand. This mystery becomes at its most comprehensible when we are able to turn back and interpret our own lives or the collective life of our community, interpret and reconstruct our human situations in light of revelation we are experiencing in the present. Another way to put this, when we step back into our past, either our own past or the past recounted by others, and God makes a little more sense to us. When the revelation of God becomes more clear to us in the past, we then become more able to see and experience the revelation of God in our own lives, including our present and into our future. God dances with us in Revelation. The single drama of the divine and human action 
is that throughout our existence, God continues to engage with us in the moments of our lives and throughout our lives continually. Because the revelation of God is ongoing in our lives, using Niebuhr's metaphor of the mountain, God's revelation leads us to continually grow and develop as we continue to climb and descend the mountain that is at once familiar and foreign to us. So how does this revelation happen? And how do we more clearly see God revealed in our lives and in the lives of others? The answer is in community. This is the very nature of why we share our experiences of God with one another. This is why we stumble with one another through life, praying with one another, learning from one another, telling our stories to one another, practicing love with one another, grasping for understanding, leaning into the mystery of God's presence in our lives and aching for more complete answers. And we turn then together towards scripture where God is revealed in Christ and specifically in Christ's ultimate expression of love for humanity. And when we recognize that we're not just passive observers of God in our lives, but rather that we are part of God's ongoing revelation to humanity, or again, put another way, when, when you recognize and embrace the reality that you matter, that each of you matter, that each of you have a part to play in God's continued revelation, when we begin to recognize this, may you see that your life and your story and your experiences matter to the rest of us. They matter to our understanding of God. That you hold pieces to our understanding of God that only you can contribute to the mosaic. And that in sharing your pieces, you contribute to our understanding of God and to your understanding of God. Psalm 111 is a reminder of God's revelation, God's ongoing revelation to humanity. But Psalm 111 doesn't stand alone. Psalm 111 and Psalm 112 were written to be read together. They were written in a similar way, following a pattern and a structure that indicates that they speak and inform one another. Psalm 111 focuses on God's good deeds, God's faithfulness to humanity. It speaks of God's revelation and God's attributes, attributes that we'll see again in Christ, right? It is gratitude for God's feeding the hungry, rescuing humanity from harm and injustice, helping those who are weak. Psalm 111 tunes us to the world where God is loving humanity, and in doing so, where and how God is revealed to humanity. Psalm 112, though, focuses on those who love God. This companion to the song of praise to God for God's loving kindness focuses on the ways that God delights in those who understand God's love for humanity and then seek to love the way that God loves. We see this echoed in Christ who calls us to love the world like God loves the world and to love God by loving those around us. First, God loves. The more we understand God, the more we seek to understand God, the more we will realize, the more that we will realize that 
It is in loving, in trying to love, in limping toward being ones who love like God, that we will understand God. For all of Karl Barth's attempts to define God, remember I said he wrote volumes and his volumes have been examined by so many other theologians. For all this prolific writing, Barth summarized it all in two words. God loves. He writes, whatever else we may have to understand and to acknowledge in relation to the divine being, it will always have to be a definition of this being of God as the one who loves. Friends, bring your broken pieces to the mosaic. Bring your story. Bring your love. Bring your questions, your hopes, your dreams, your longings. Bring all of who you are. Sing your praises. Raise your hallelujahs. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.